Hey, funny face. <laughs> hey. <laughs> okay, whenever you're ready, you start. You know how we do it. If you goof it, start it again. Okay. <clears throat> Hi, this is Shelley Fabre, of course. <laughs> this is Shelley. Oh boy. Hi, this is Shelley Fabre. Are you sure you're pronouncing Shelley Fabre right? What? <laughs> That's funny. I promise I won't break up. Hi, this is Shelley Fabre of Cole Picks Records. Please stay tuned because I'd like to sing for you. I think that's all. Fine, thank you. Sure. And I'm going to let Shelley Fabre sing for us in just a second. You're not going to hear Johnny Angel, it was one of her big hits. And you're not going to hear my favorite song, Lost Summer Love. My favorite Shelley Fabre song, that is. It's not my favorite song by any stretch. Now, what I'm going to play for you is a song called Boy of My Own. It's a, uh, you know, a teener. You know, it's one of those teeners. Sometimes these teeners, like a lot of these doo-wop records, have an unearthly quality to them. There's some sort of altered dimension they seem to be drifting in from, which I find very appealing. So I'm going to get right to it. I'm going to play it for you right here. But don't think I'm going to skip all the usual palaver at the beginning of the show, because I'm going to do that too. But I figure, you know, a lot of times you'll do a show and you won't get right into the Shelley Fabre record. You're going to build up to it. I like to throw a kind of a switch up, you know, like a, to keep you guessing. So I'm going to go right to the Shelley Fabre. And uh, the thing I want you to notice about this, because it's probably going to come up in this show, the idea of dissonance implied in the word dissonance in music is that it's uh, jarring or unpleasant somehow. But, you know, without dissonance, music would be about as interesting as the food you have to eat before a colonoscopy. You know, you need it. It's a little vinegar. You need vinegar in the music. I do. Otherwise, I don't know. Yeah, I, I can't listen to music. I just I heard this prog band, for example. And what the hell was their name? They're from uh, Scandinavia. Um, anyway, I can't think of their name. I'll come up with it later. But they were great. They sound really terrific. They're like a latter-day Yes-influenced type prog band. But they're so sunny, and everything about them is like optimistic and positive. And... I don't know what it is. It's some perversity. It just it doesn't land really for me because there isn't any of that grit, that vinegar. And I know some of you are thinking, get the fuck out of here. You play all that sunshine pop. What are you saying? And I really resent you cursing at me like that. But I'll let it slide. And you know what? You know, don't explain. Don't complain. You know what I'm saying? I'm just going to let it go. But listen to the bass part on Boy of My Own. Regularly, you're going to hear this bass part play a kind of a flat note for the chord that it's supposed to be in. And it's deliberate. It isn't a mistake. And that makes it great. So welcome to Buckaroo Holiday. Someone cares and never be alone 
Okay, so here we are. We're in the show proper, right? We're actually established. We're situated in the program. And now who knows what can happen. I'll tell you one thing. I'm aiming to do it in a hurry because it's been a while since I did the last one of these shows. I should say the latest one of these shows because this might be the last one. I don't know. Regular listeners know that I've been talking about dropping the pod bean entirely. I have decided probably to keep it another year as an archive at least. I may not post a lot of new shows, if any, but I don't want to drop the archive. I've been losing a lot of things lately. A lot of things that are really important to me have been going away. Not the least of which is people, friends. It just continues. It's remarkable. I don't know if I could deal with uh, dropping the archive on this thing because it is something I've labored over for a couple of years labor of love but nonetheless it's something i did you know and i don't want to throw it away the other day somebody quit the patreon and this was somebody that uh, has been a real loyal supporter for a long time somebody i really like and i have no idea why and it's the sort of thing that would have really baffled me a while back but there's been so much of it on the podcast and in life in general it's a recurring pain and i think a lot of people are going through it these days So it goes. I just try to remain appreciative of the former support and to remain appreciative of those of you who still listen to these things and enjoy them. Whether you support the Patreon or not, or whether you ever comment about these shows or not, there wouldn't be much point in doing it otherwise without knowing somebody was out there listening. I got a lot of very nice comments about the show that I did where I discussed Stranger Things and watching it with my daughter. I didn't know how that was going to go over, and I thank all of you who commented and told me that it went over well with you. That's great. Also been doing a couple of shows on the Patreon, for those of you who don't listen to that. There was a sex show, and I got a few few nice reactions from that. And there was also a Steely Dan special. And I heard from a few people who were not Steely Dan fans, in fact, from one or two Steely Dan haters who actually enjoyed the show and said that it put a new light on that band for them. That's great. I really appreciate hearing that. Thank you. Coming up is a collage-type show that I mentioned and a uh, Sid Barrett show that I'm doing for 
a guy that I've been in touch with a lot lately, this guy named Jim. I'm not going to give his last name because I don't do that unless people know I'm going to. I don't know why. I just feel like it's a thing to do. But, uh, yeah, I'll get, I'll get to that business later. I'll talk about Jim later. It's not Jim Allen. It's not Jim Gray. It's another Jim. Man, you know, you got to wonder about all the Jim Jims in this town. But now that I mentioned Jim Allen, maybe I'll start with a set here that's... Uh, Something we've talked about a couple of times. There's this jazz scene. It's like a uh, crossover between the British jazz scene and the British pop or prog scene, mostly in the 60s, but into the 70s and whatnot. A lot of these artists, uh, Coliseum is one of them, uh, Keith Tippett. Um, I guess you could put Brian Auger and Julie Driscoll into that world. There are different ends of it, and there's a rock end and there's a jazz end. And I'm going to play some pieces from that scene, more or less. In reverse order, we'll hear a version of a song, Jumping Off the Sun, by Mike Taylor. And he was a composer who worked with a lot of these guys and and mainstream acts like Cream. Jack Bruce plays on this version of Jumping Off the Sun, which was also done by Coliseum and covered a lot, actually. This was from a tribute album to Mike Taylor after his untimely death. And before that, it's going to be a track by Neil Ardley, who was a pianist and composer as well. This is a track he did for KPM. It's a piece of library music. It's called Sightseeing. And we're going to start with a track sung by Norma Winstone, terrific singer from that scene. And this song is co-written by Fran Landisman, who we've heard on the show before. Spring Can Really Hang You Up the Most, uh, Ballad of the Sad Young Men, a few things I've played by her. Really touching song, I think, called Somewhere Called Home. Sing softly, sing sadly of somewhere called home, a town by a river, almighty and glows in my mind The winters were bitter The summers were fierce But life offered something that seemed Oh 
and down again These notes like colored balls Leaving smoke trails like an aeroplane Shooting up, falling down like a rocket And then jumping off the side And the smell of rain Dogs barking, smoke rising Cigarettes in bed with you again These notes make a necklace That sings like a man Jumping off the sun Jumping off the sun Sunlight on the river Thames at Kew Tides pull the sound of it Down to Charing Cross and Waterloo Well I know that sounds funny One night as well Jumping off the sun Jumping off the sun Song goes up and up, down and down and up and down again. Lemonade kisses I string together like a daisy chain. But these words have no meaning unless they are sung. Jumping off the sun, jumping off the sun. Now, while y'all were enjoying jumping off the sun, I did a quick toilet cleaning. Just kind of took a notion to go do that. You know, I like to multitask. Putting together a show, cleaning the bathroom. It just makes one feel productive. You know what I'm saying? And I bring it up now, not gratuitously. No, there's a reason here. Now, if you know me, you know that I'm very into scent. I am an enthusiastic customer of the Demeter Fragrance Library. I often buy things because of the smell. I've bought things because they had the transistor radio smell, the Major Matt Mason rubber wire toy smell. I just, I go for smells. I go places because of, to get a smell, like a, like a church smell or a, any number of things. And there are a few smells that are elusive, tied to nostalgia, of course. And there's two things that I really have tried to get a hold of, and it's been tough. One is the Halloween costume smell. The Ben Cooper or Collegeville Halloween costumes that we had when we were kids, when I when I was a kid, they come in a box. It, the, the box has a cutout section on the front, and there's a cellophane window in it where you can see the mask, a stiff plastic thing with the eyes cut out and the rubber band around it, and the outfit is folded up behind that. Usually this kind of chintzy fabric, silk screened. A lot of times it would have like uh, glitter or some shiny parts on it. And it was kind of loose, so you could put it over your regular clothes. And you had these little uh, ribbons in the back that you would tie it up with. So you know what I mean? And it had this smell to it that was kind of plasticky, of course, and kind of spicy, a weird spicy kind of smell. I don't know why, but the combination of things, the ink, the plastic, the fabric, all of it made this very specific smell. And when you see these at antique stores and things, 
they've lost that smell over the years. They're not sealed up. There's no uh, shrink wrap or anything on it to retain any of that scent. So I still search for that scent. I'm still on the prowl. And the reason I bring up the toilet cleaning, see, this is radio professionalism. I go a little bit further afield, and then I circle back around, and I bring it back to the opening point. See, that's uh, that's an impressive thing there. You betcha. And uh, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, cleaning the toilet. There's this Lysol stuff they make now. You squeeze it up into the toilet before you scrub it. It's a cleanser. It's, it's a disinfectant. And it's blue, like purpley blue. And you know what it smells like. A.B. Dick Ditto Ink that, you you know, when you were a kid, when, when, I, when we were a kid, when, well, not when you were a kid necessarily, but when I was a kid, ever seen Fast Times at Ridgemont High when all the kids sniff the paper after the teacher hands out the quiz? Well, that's the thing. It had this wonderful smell to it, like nothing else. But now... It's strongly reminiscent, I'll say that. And that makes me happy. It, it's a nice thing to smell again. I wish I could have actually smell an actual warm ditto. Happiness is a warm ditto. But look, this'll do. It takes a uh, really uh, quotidian, is that the word? A quotidian act? The toilet cleaning? What could be more quotidian? And it elevates it with this wonderfully nostalgic scent. So thank you, Lysol. Credit words do. Thank you, Lysol. So now, what are we going to hear? Going to start with another little musical cue from El Topo, Alejandro Jodorowsky. I got mixed feelings about the movie, but the score I love. This short piece is called Knowledge Through Music, and I endorse that idea wholeheartedly. Then you're going to hear a thing called Cabin, and I've played Jerry Southern in the past, and I've played music by Paul Bowles in the past, and I've played songs by Tennessee Williams in the past. So here's a threefer with Jerry playing and singing a song by those two guys. Then I'm going to give you something by an act that's new to me, Horse Girl, and it's new to me because it's new to the world. These are three young girls they met in high school, or even earlier, but anyway, they're, they're still teenagers, I believe. Their influences are like the kind of music I didn't really like in the 90s. So I was doing my own thing with my own band, and I didn't really care for this kind of stuff that they're into. But they bring a freshness to it and an originality to it, and I fear that they're hip. But that's okay. I'm going to play them anyway, and I'll play another track of theirs later, because I like it. The track is called Ballroom Dance Scene. There's a thing about young people doing this, you know, like the early Beach Boys sides, the Shirelles, when that earnestness really is in a record, that grabs me. So then Horse Girl, I'm thinking Horse Girl, I'm thinking Centaur, you know, like they're, they're like three lovely centaurs. So if we're going to get mythological hybrid all here, let's go with Country Joe and the Fish after that. Kind of like Mermen, not like Ethel, but like Mermen. And uh, I'm not usually inclined to go with these San Francisco hippie acts. But look, you know, I cast a wide net and sometimes I drag in Country Joe and some fish. And you know, hey, the only answer to stupid shtick is knowledge through music.
The cabin was cozy And the hollyhocks grew Bright by the door Till his whisper crept through The sun on the sail Was yellow and warm Till she lifted the latch For a man or a storm Now the cabin falls to the winter wind And the walls cave in Where they kissed and sinned And the long white rain Sweeps clean the room Like a white-haired witch With a long straw-brew Down 80 cash, she needed years to save 
purple haze An evening's drowsiness to carry me away I know once again that there is nothing we can say So I'll pack up my things I'll be on my way Just found him instead. It might have been a dream for all the things we said, but you promised me, darling, you promised me. Here alone, I shiver in the lonesome night beside the telephone. The time brings no word, I guess he's not coming home. It feels like the end, it feels like the end.
that pretty? You know, it's. I think it's great, and I hate to interrupt it. You know, it's not normally what I would do, but I got a show to do here. You know, I got to move on. This is Marlowe's Catfish song by a band called River City from, I think, 1973. Kind of um, a hybrid between the horn rock of Blood, Sweat, and Tears and like a country southern rock kind of thing. It's pretty nice stuff. And this is kind of a one-off on the album, more of a mood piece that closes the album on this kind of pastoral, rural Americana note. And, you know, I uh, do some yapping today. I'll do some yapping because some people like to yapping. I, I hear that all the time. Some people want me to yap more. They'll be sorry, but they, they say this. But uh, right now, before I do that, I'm noticing some of these songs are a little moody because I am moody. You know, you've been noticing that on these shows, a fairly moody guy. I'm, I'm a fun-loving guy. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, you know, right now, moody. What can you do? But I want something uplifting. I want something that's optimistic. I want something that's up. And I'm going to play... One of, I think, the great rock and roll singles of all time. I just love this. Maybe it's new to you. Maybe it's overly familiar to you. It depends. I just think it's an all-time classic. And it never fails to make me feel good. There's a few numbers like that, man. They just always connect. They always, always do it. Now, after this first song, I'm going to play a thing by The Remains. Legendary garage band out of Boston. This song was written by Billy Vera. You may recall, if you're old enough, a big hit he had in the 80s called At This Moment. But he also had a hit back in the 60s entitled With Pen in Hand, which was written by Bobby Goldsboro. Oh, wait a sec. Bobby Goldsboro. But in any case, this is a great rocker. Not as great as the rocker that's going to precede it. I'm going to get right to that because I've been teasing you on it, right? <laughs> I don't know. I'm trying to drum up drama, you know? I'm doing the best I can over here. <laughs> okay. No, I'm going to make you wait. I'm going to make you wait a little more. Because I'm going to tell you, after Barry and the Remains, because sometimes they went by that name, Barry and the Remains, you're going to hear a song by Don Cherry from the Relativity Suite with the Jazz Composers Orchestra, and it's called Desireless. And it's pretty short. Don't worry. But here we go. Here's the one, here's the one we've been leading up to. Ready? You better be ready, because it's Eddie. Eddie and the Hot Rods.
On how life should be lived and things should be done But I'm here to say you gotta do just what you want And when they started their talk, talk, talking Remember just one thing Uh-huh. There's 
There's a short piece called An Imitation of Roy Harris by the pianist, composer, and educator James Siddons. And Roy Harris, by the way, was the father of the Harris Brothers from the West Coast Pop Art Experimental Band. And Roy Harris himself was a pretty noted 20th century American classical composer. Worked sometimes in the uh, Copeland Americana vein. Wasn't really that good at that kind of stuff to me. It's a little off. But he did do a lot of interesting stuff. Maybe I'll play something else by him proper. It's fine by me. Hey, what are you doing here? I'm here for the plastic waffle. You're Willie. <laughs> It, it must be time for Plastic Waffle, then. Oh, I see you're asking me for my name and Plastic Waffle. <laughs> I was asking you for your credentials. And so, as you can tell, Willie's here with us again, and it's time for another Plastic Waffle. And I'm real happy. Again. Plastic Waffle, Plastic Waffle, Plastic Waffle. So you had an idea for a, uh, a themelet. I did. Something that you uh, wanted to touch on. What is that? It would be bands or singers that were pretty popular before the British invasion and then after the British invasion they found themselves not really being paid attention to anymore because of the right, the boom was off the peach twas so yeah. they had to try and seem like a lot of bands singers did try to um, get with the the new times the post British invasion times right. and make more hip psychedelic sure. recordings not necessarily psychedelic but something that might have been a great departure from what they were doing before a lot know. of that yeah a lot of really great records I know that uh, you know Dion got into that oh kind Dion of thing. yes and um, Bobby V got pretty trippy and uh, the Everly Brothers mm -hmm had done some really, really great, credible, psychedelic-era work that yes. never really got much attention. The Everly Brothers did a thing, um, an album called uh, Two Yanks in England. Yeah, yeah. Backed by the Hollies. So it was theory. a real collaboration. Yeah, it was pretty nice. What do you got? Most of them are nice. Well, here's a song called So Lonely mm -hmm. uh, from that album. Forever. 
That was nice, Will. I'm glad you liked that. Yeah. Uh, and it was, it's a very interesting uh, uh, situation I think they have with the Hollies and the material. And uh, there's another song, and it's called Hard, Hard Year. Oh, God. I, I actually, right? I played that song on the show before. Hmm. That's a great fucking song. Yeah, that's another one where they're just... I mean, Hard, Hard Year is the name of the song. No, right? that's so, a killer. Oh, that good. song is murder, man. Good, so you, and Hard, Hard Year, that's also with the Hollies. I didn't know yeah. that. Okay. What else we got? I have an Adam Faith song called uh, Cowman Milk Your Cow. Cowman Milk Your Cow was uh, written by Barry Gibb, That's right. I think. That's right. You are correct, because um, this is another one where they, um, I guess, yeah, it's a collaboration. Yeah, right? let's, let's check it out. Just decided to say, oh, we don't care. Forget it, I'm out of here. 
And that's what I mean, because that's what he, Ray was going after, that Raga kind of drone, yes. you know. Yeah, in fact, I really enjoyed that. I, I had a, I listened to it a couple of times. I didn't uh, remember how much, Fucking what that Gibb, sound. The guy, the guy just, like, exuded tunes. I totally agree. That music for decades. The guy was just, like... And then, I mean, the worldwide explosion of 1977. Wow. Kind of unheard of that that kind of comeback. I mean, yeah, I, I, especially the magnitude of it. Yeah, I remember when they first started doing that sort of soul disco type stuff, and I was put off because I had been a big Bee Gees fan when I was a kid. Yeah, I, I stopped following them for a while. I mean, I went to see them. I saw them at uh, around the time they did that album, um, the one with. Uh, Oh Christ! They had the ships on the cover. It was the one with uh, how oh, yeah. many men to broken heart. Yes. Um, anyway. Yeah, I can't remember the album title right now. It was like Trafalgar. That was the name of it. Ah, oh, yes, very good. And uh, they played uh, with Tintin at uh, I guess the Felt Forum. And, oh, and, really? Uh, yeah, it was great. Wow. And it was, after that, they started. Uh, they fell off my radar. I got into like Bowie and stuff like that. But yeah. then. Um, when they came out with like jive talking and all that, I'm like, well, listen to this. I didn't have ears for it yet, you know. But you know, you couldn't really deny stuff like how deep is your love and stuff. When that, cannot. Know, I, I kind of came around to it again and like fell in love with the Bee Gees all over again years later. You know, it was after all those hits. But uh, that song is one of my favorites that I play in a music book that I have. It's beautiful, beautiful, yeah, undeniable. I agree, yeah. songwriting wise. All right, and then so next was a Gene Vincent song. The name of the song is Love is a Bird. Yeah, I'd forgotten, because you mentioned Gene Vincent when we were listening to... Uh... Yeah. Love is a bird Love is a bird It flies where it wants to It's hard to hang on to Love is a Yeah. yeah, he had a great sound, man. Yeah, he was 
really good singer. Yeah, really expressive. Is almost done. Yeah, real passionate. A speck so small and far away is circling in the sun. Could it to be the one I sheltered and held so tenderly? It seems afraid. I mean, mostly this stuff just, you know, went unheard. Yeah. Really? Just too bad. Love is a bird. Love is a bird. Those guys, they, uh, pop radio didn't really want to deal with them. Yeah. And to their own audience, didn't want to hear this new sound. They just wanted to go hear them do the oldies. Yeah. Yeah, they were just swept away by a lot of the uh, invasion. Yeah. Yeah, I was uh, happy to find that. Nice stuff. But we were talking about Chubby Checker. Yeah, what do you got, what do you got on him? enough. So this song is called Goodbye Victoria. Totally. <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> it's a great record. <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> I was, dude, I was listening to it yesterday. We've got to find out what the connection, <laughs> what the mystical connection is here. I, I fucking swear to God, I was listening to this song yesterday. Checker, no one would have figured. I love this record. Man. It's yeah. really bizarre. It's coming from a whole nother place. Okay. Yeah, it's talking about where his mind's coming from at the time. You know, this is what these times are doing to me. It totally hits. It totally hits the target. Of anybody who ever thought it was like a lightweight sort of like not worth digging into the catalog type of guy would be him. Oh, completely agree. But holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, I think he didn't have that kind of voice. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
that organ sound. Yeah. Sounds like uh, Dave Greenslade. Okay. discuss that because uh yeah it's almost like it's almost like proto metal i mean if you if you listen to that if yes yeah. if it was guitar instead of piano doing that then it would be like deep purple or some shit it would be like uh yeah that's that's definitely that kind of rock a good comparison it's, it's but it's with, because of the organ it does have a deep purple sound yeah yeah definitely and um and it's that kind of song musically yeah really unexpected and and, and there's nothing about it like see yeah. chubby he's the kind of guy you always had a, a bit of respect for because he parlayed that twist bullshit into a real career because he was always turning up he'd show up on tv shows years later right hey we're gonna do the twist again we're gonna do the, the bicentennial twist you know and he'd yeah. be up there with bob hope doing the fucking twist but that was yeah. it he was like a one joke act as you know as how people look at him right well the twist was big enough so that i guess he um he was able to do that yeah be accepted i guess maybe still yeah because he had a, like he had the period where nobody cared about it at all right yeah. and then like and then like in the late 70s maybe people started getting nostalgic for the 50s and early 60s mm -hmm. again mm -hmm. and he was able to trip parlay that into all the oldies shows and tv right. specials and shit yes but yeah but it was still like he gave him respect because he was able to take this it was like stone soup you know he took this one stupid fucking record or, or one or two stupid fucking records and, and built a career out of it he actually yeah. sustained a career he didn't get into drugs and disappear you know he kept plugging but now he he's did. who knew he was doing that once again no one but chubby fucking respect i could make that comment wait a minute somebody's probably here. Be, yep. 
Come on in. Wrapping up Willie's plastic waffle over here. Come on in. Hey, look what the cat dragged in. How the sausage is made here. <laughs> how the waffle is made. Actually. Glad you made it. Yes. Good to see you guys. Hey, how you been? Yeah, what was it? Were you, were you here? Was he here last time? Not the last time, but no, yes. neither was he. Right. Yeah, then, yeah. But then the time before that, I remember also, that was good. Was I here? It was November? So that makes sense. It's, as we're doing this here, we're interrupted because who walks in here but Joe and T-Fab? Say hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Yeah, we, uh, we're gonna we're gonna pause, uh, pause the show at this point, and we're gonna go outside and uh, drink a lot of booze. Yeah. Well, we are gonna into the wee booze. hours. Yeah. We all together. So Willie. Let me just take this opportunity to thank you for another excellent uh, plastic waffle. My pleasure is always more where that came from. Looking forward to that. Oh man, really? Well that sounds exciting. I'd like to thank Willie for bringing those reminders that good stuff happens even when no one's listening. It reminds me to regard things past and people who've left our particular limited ambit to always remember to think of them with uh, affection and respect and most of all gratitude most of all gratitude after all this time Thin Lizzy, of course, with an early configuration of their great song, Fight or Fall, from the big hit album, Jailbreak. I've got to read something here from Robert Criscow. You know how much I love him. He wrote about Jailbreak and said, uh, among his other sneers, if Irish teen traumas are as boring as Phil and its descriptions of them, it's no wonder they have trouble maintaining their birth rate. What a dick. What a fucking asshole. I know I've mentioned him a few times, and it's just because he represents a type I loathe. For me, I think Phil in it was, well, you know what I think of Phil in it. For Christ's sake, I lift a toast to him and to all these artists that Willie talks about. There's a lot more of that, by the way. Uh, we went on for a lot longer. I had to cut it down because, you know, Jesus, the show's only so long. And um, they'll be showing up again, so you can hear some more obscurities from these pop stars who tried to make the transition with varying degrees of commercial success. And I love and respect all of them. So again, a toast to Phil Lennett and a toast to them and a toast to my beloved core. Slauncha. And now I'm going to go to an artist who never had any success to lose. That is to say commercial success. Always an innovator, always incredibly original since the early 60s and kept at it, highly respected for decades. Talking about Annette Peacock, creator of a number of things other people get credit for. Stylistically, she's all over the map. Early electronic type stuff, uh, jazz, etc., etc. But you can't call it genre hopping because it's Annette Peacock music. That's really all you can call it. Some of it's pretty difficult, some of it's accessible. I think this is. It's called Carousel. Thank you. 
like a child Drives me wild Wiser but still naive I continued to trust Thank you. 
Viagra Boys from Stockholm, Sweden with Blue Bone coming out of a piece called Interlude featuring a tuba cadenza by Gunther Schuller from an album called Turn of the Century Cornet Favorites which are a lot of period pieces and he wrote these little, Gunther Schuller did wrote these little pieces to link them these interludes and that was one of those but now you have Viagra Boys there a little discordant, right? A little jarring maybe I don't know I mentioned that earlier in the show because I knew I was going to play something about this next band. Actually, it's, it's a set about this next band. And what I aim to do is to demonstrate that despite their reputation for being jarring and discordant, there's a lot more to them than that. I'm talking about the residents. And lately, they've been top of mind, to quote the press secretary. <laughs> what is her, it's her name? Katrina Jean-Pierre or something? I don't know. Anyway, they've been top of mind because... I've been corresponding with this guy, Jim, who I mentioned earlier also. Great guy, and 
gifted guy, and he's been working with the residents for years and years. Not a member of the band, but an associate of theirs in all sorts of capacities as a writer. He's a great writer. And after we met, we realized we were both friends with Nick Tasha's, and that's the foundation for a good friendship, I'd say. And because of that, I'm doing a show for him. It's like a freebie commission. You're jealous now, right? You're envious, you guys who spent money on your shows. Uh, Sid Barrett show. He is somebody who's interested in Sid Barrett, but doesn't know a lot about him. And that surprised me because this stuff is so familiar to me. I just assumed everybody knows that work, especially somebody as relatively well-known as Sid Barrett, but not really. So that show is coming up. I'm working on it simultaneously with this one. But for now, I'm going to send this next set out to Jim. And I think it shows some accessibility and beauty that people might not associate with the residents. We're going to hear Demons Dance Alone. This is from about 20 years ago. It's a really moving song by the residents. It has a lot of qualities that are not characteristic of the earlier stuff that I had first gotten into, but I think it's powerful and beautiful. Then after that, I'm going to play a song by Snakefinger, Phil Lithman, who uh, started out in a band called Chili Willie and the Red Hot Peppers, which was like a kind of a country swing band in England somehow wound up working with the residents and i saw him at a club called hurrah years and years ago great show and it was very residents type music but he did an album called night of desirable objects that i hadn't heard until relatively recently a lot of the album is accessible but this track is like yacht rock which is surprising and i think delightful keep them guessing And I'll finish the set with the epilogue from The Resident's great, great album, Not Available. Somehow I want 
misgivings are seldom a dread. They help you relieve all the lies in your head. But for the givings, beget a sure vein. Leave open a window and let in some rain. on Buckaroo Holiday, Candy and the Kisses are going to teach us how to do the 81. Candy and the Kisses. I mentioned before that I might do a bit of a spiel, and something's occurred to me. I was thinking of uh, this guy, Bill Hicks. Name came up someplace, and I kind of remembered him a little bit. I kind of picture him on stage, ranting and smoking his cigarette. He had an act that was stolen by this less talented, thin-skinned creep named Dennis Leary. But both of them seemed part of this splenetic, hollering, post-Carlin scene of like the 80s and the 90s. 
and there's a lot of these people then, you know, you had Sam Kinison, uh, that type of thing. And then on this end, you had Bill Hicks, who was kind of political, kind of a social commentary guy. And he was like, he's become a sort of a folk hero. He died young. I didn't really remember his act. So I listened into some of it. And uh, well, here's an example. It's fairly short. I've been traveling. I've noticed a certain anti-intellectualism sweeping our world. I find quite frightening. Uh, I was in Nashville, Tennessee last year. After the show, I went to a Waffle House. I'm not proud of it. I was hungry. (laughs) And I'm alone. I'm eating and I'm reading a book, right? Waitress walks over to me. Hey, what you reading for? (laughs) Sound like the weirdest question you've ever heard? Not what am I reading, but what am I reading for? <laughs> well, God damn it, you stumped me. <laughs> <laughs> Why do I read? Hmm. I guess I read for a lot of reasons, and the main one is so I don't end up being a waffle waitress. <laughs> fairly high on the list of reasons. But then this trucker in the next booth gets up, stands over me and goes, well, looks like we got ourselves a reader. (laughs) What the f***'s going on here? It's not like I walked into a Klan rally in a Boy George outfit, goddammit, it's a book. I read. There, I said it. Waitress goes, why read when you can just flip on the tube? (laughs) Because it's not the same. What do you think I'm reading? Hee-haw the book? Well, that audience is eating it right up. You know, I guess that they're also readers. They're also intellectuals. Now, I'm going to extract a couple of things from that. Very short. And I'm going to also add some things that indicate my reaction when I hear that. Not what am I reading, but what am I reading for? (laughs) Well, goddammit, you stumped me. Never happened. Why do I read? Hmm. Never happened. But then... This trucker in the next booth gets up, stands over me and goes, well, looks like we got ourselves a reader. I read. There, I said it. Waitress goes, why read when you can just flip on the tube? Because it's not the same. Etc. So, you know, I I don't want to pick on a dead guy. What's the point of that? But this whole thing, these people in hysterics over this and making a hero of this guy for this, you know, Bill Hicks reads books, right? Not like those cracker-ass morons pouring his coffee at the Waffle House that he has to go to because he's valiantly struggling through a comedy tour. You know, these people with these pathetic dead-end jobs, not like him, TV comedian, book reader. You know, what is this hateful elitist bullshit? And what makes all these cretins laugh like that and applaud throughout? What is that? How is this guy sneering funny? What's with the southern accent as indicator of stupidity? You know, mentioning Criscow before made me think of this. It's this terminal crass superiority. And it's not actually humor, because humor is this uh, 
surprising introduction of some incongruity, right, that rings true. This isn't that. This is hateful ego preaching, and it's a lie. And those people aren't laughing. They're saying amen and hooray for us. This humor doesn't have any surprising twist in it. It's just, uh, you know, a bunch of ready-mades representing no risk at all. As I was checking him out, I saw an ad for a movie about him from a couple of years back. And the photo was this black and white shot of him with an American flag gagging his mouth. Well, why? What does that mean? To me, this is like stolen valor. You know, Lenny Bruce actually paid the price for insisting on free speech. And he was also funny. But Bill Hicks, what was the worst censorship this guy dealt with? He got disrespected on The Letterman Show. I read about that, and I can relate, because that's what The Letterman Show was about. But he had a successful career. He had worshipful fans. What, the, what was the problem? But, you know, that flag, that hated flag, keeping Hicks from sharing his truths. No, he got rich sharing his bullshit with the uh, idiots. You know, what happens when you accept slander as humor and you accept narcissism as bravery? When you hear tired lies and you think that it's a fresh observation. When does arrogance become a performance? When, when does it become craft? This mindset, I'm not blaming him, right? Because he's only one example. But the mindset leads to uh, the likes of uh, this anti-humor, this, this, like, this propagandist Stephen Colbert. Government propagandist, mind you. And this is just a part of, of how everything in this culture turned inside out. You know, you have contemporary brown shirts claiming that they're anti-fascists. You have contemporary segregationists claiming to be anti-racist. You have a formerly free press strangled to death under claims of fighting misinformation. You have friends turning on friends, family proudly estranging other family members because of fucking political differences. You know, I don't blame him, of course. He's just an example, and he's probably more talented than most of them. But I do blame anyone who willfully stops thinking and calls it thought. It really sucks. And I can feel people <laughs> leaving the podcast right now because of this. Well, what are you going to do? I don't know. Just expressing myself. Get that flag out my mouth. Behind me, you hear Jeremy Taylor's uh, reggae-inflected interpretation of So What by Miles Davis. And I use that in that thing to indicate what I think of Hicks's bragging about his intellect. But there were a couple of other songs I played there as commentary. Never Happened is from The Roaches, Big Nothing. And Liar is the band Argent. And if I'm going to use them, I may as well play them. And shut my mouth. Where's that flag? Ooh. 
Ooh-wee, I just realized we are close to the end of this thing, and where does the time go? It goes the way of all yapping. That's where it goes. So I'm going to jam in a couple of songs here before we wind up the show. I mentioned before that I was going to play another track by Horse Girl, this new young band, and I'm going to do that. Before that, I'm going to play a track called Celia in Her Constellation by Crushed Stars, which is pretty much a one-man band. And after those, I'll be back to wrap it all up. But first, we need a palate cleanser, right? After all that uh, disagreeableness that I was on about before. Ooh, I've got it. Ocarina, nothing better than Ocarina to cleanse the palate. This is the foursome doing Nobody's Sweetheart.
Yeah, Horse Girl with Beautiful Song. I guess that's arguable, but I think it's beautiful. And it's a beautiful way to end this Buckaroo holiday. When's there going to be another one? I don't know. Is it going to be on Podbean? I don't know. I know I'll be on the Patreon doing other things. Sid Barrett show coming up. Join the Patreon. A couple of bucks a month. Help a guy out. I know everybody's... It's hard times for everybody. I know, I know. I have indicated on previous shows that things have been rough. A couple of things in the last couple of days for me have looked better. Looks like some good news for my son, and my daughter's got some good news. It's I'll tentatively say that uh, there's a better moment occurring. But uh, generally speaking, I think about all these hostile foreign powers threatening nuclear strikes. And what does it make me want to do? It makes me want to get up on the roof of my house with a sombrero on my head with a target painted. Come and get me, Chino. Come and get me. But I'm going to look on the bright side. This month is uh, my wife's birthday, my children's birthday. Today is our wedding anniversary. Did I mention this before? Well, you know, I'm Mr. Redundant. But we're going to Knobles again for the Halloween celebration down there a couple of weeks. Not bad, right? Not bad. I'll take it. And what else is there to say? I don't know. Um, hope you like the sex show on the Patreon. Gave me boners. Did so. Did so. Oh, oh, you know what? Earlier in the show, I uh, mentioned this prog band that I felt was sort of like overly optimistic. It's Moon Safari. Moon Safari is the name of the band. They're from Sweden, I think. And uh, they're actually really good if you can deal with the... Uh, I don't know, the optimism. Okay, that's enough. Let's get out of here. I'm going to end with a short piece by Spanky and Our Gang, 1358, Pedagogical Round Number 2. Thank you very much for listening to Buckaroo Holiday. And the eight is the same as, as the one, but an octave apart. Try to learn it by heart. One three five eight seven six five four three five two three four sharp five and the eight one, three, is the same eight, as a one seven, but six, an octave five, four, apart. Try to learn it by heart. One three five eight seven six five four three five two three four sharp five and the eight is the same as a one but an octave apart. One three five eight seven six five four three five two three four sharp five and the eight is the same as a one but an octave Try to learn it by heart.